0: It is a great privilege for me to have the opportunity to uh, bring the Word of God uh, after about six or seven months of uh, not being able to do that uh, because of the accident. And uh, a real privilege to be able to do that in my home congregation here as well. I have... A chair behind me for the moment that I may need to get off my feet for just a while. And uh, for me, it is uh, it is a real great privilege to be able to uh, lead you in the uh, Word of God today. I invite you to turn first of all to the Book of Acts, chapter one, not chapter two, as is in your uh, bulletins, but. Acts chapter 1, page 1080 if you're following along in the Pew Bible. This gives us the context of the event that we are celebrating today. Acts chapter 1, picking up the reading at verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he, has, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, and here's the context specifically then, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then if you would turn into the Old Testament to the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 52. You'll find that on page 728 in your pew Bibles. The word of the God as follows. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come into you this uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord... You were sold for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, My people went down at the first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them for nothing. Now therefore what have I here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away for nothing? Their rulers wail, declares the Lord, and continually all the day my name is despised. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day, they shall know that it is I who speak. Here am I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord, for you shall not go out in haste and you shall not go in flight, for the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human resemblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told, them they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. May God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a tendency to be very patriotic with regards to the country of our birth or the country in which we live, don't we? And sometimes when we sing the national anthem or have an opportunity to say the Pledge of Allegiance, we get all warm and choked up because we're so thankful to be part of the country that we live in or when we hear something from our country of origin, all the more yet. And so we hear the words of the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of Canada. I pledge allegiance to the flag of Canada and to the dominion for which it stands, one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. It's all fine to be patriotic and to get all goosebumps when you think about Canada, or of the country of your origin, from where you come, it's wonderful. But today, we are remembering a day in which there is a, a kingdom that is much greater than Canada, or the Ukraine, or Holland, or, or, or any of a country in Latin America, or any one of the countries uh, around our world today. We are celebrating today the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the king over the kingdom Of God. Perhaps it is time for us to pledge a different allegiance to that kingdom. An allegiance that might go something like this I pledge allegiance to the triune God and to the dominion for which he stands. All nations, all nations under God, offering liberty and justice. To all. I believe it is a timely thing that we have this celebration of the Ascension around the time of elections. Last week, Thursday, just one week ago, we gathered together here to pray for the provincial elections here in Ontario. And as we think about the elections, we think about those who will be the next ones to rule over us. And we might even have discussions about the pros and the cons of each one of the different party leaders or the premiers that represent them. But as we think this through, we need to think that there is a reminder to us, as we were reminded last, last Thursday as well, that each of these rulers are called upon to pledge their allegiance to the Ruler, capital R. Jesus Christ. And that's what we are remembering tonight. Our God reigns. Ascension Day is one of the days of the Christian calendar that is often forgotten in even evangelical circles. When I travel in my missionary journeys throughout Latin America, I don't go much beyond Latin America I never have much. But as I go through there and then talk to my students about the Ascension Day, they'll say the, 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 the what? What day of the year is the Ascension Day? Well, I'll, I'll say to them, it depends on what day of the year. Easter falls because it is 40 days after Easter. The message of the Ascension is central and core to the reminder of the rule of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is central to biblical theology as we understand that in our own context. When we recite the Apostles' Creed, we recite the words, He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Our God reigns. That's what this is all about. That's what the scriptures are all about. The fact that God reigns and, and he has his kingdom, which has power even over the arch enemy, Satan. He began that at the time of creation with the fall. He proclaimed that Jesus Christ would come to overthrow the, the introduction of sin into the world. Overthrow Satan, the author of that. We experience that throughout our own lives today as we are able to come to Jesus Christ with our prayers to ask forgiveness for being wayward and and following Satan from time to time. That's what sin is all about, caving into the temptations. And it leads us to think into the future as well. And when we think about the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ as king, then we are reminded that we need to Think about the role of the king, and we're going to do that tonight. We want to look at, first of all, how Jesus Christ protects us. And then how he, as king, provides for us. And then thirdly, how he reigns over us in our lives. Listen to the words of Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 that remind us about the gospel news, the good news of the gospel that are a part of this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Zion, what does that mean? It's an Old Testament reference to the body of believers, the church of Jesus Christ, who say to the church, that would be you and me, called as his disciples. Your God reigns. We want to look, first of all, at how God works in the past in protecting us. And in doing so, I want to reflect especially on the last question Of Lord's Day 18 that you'll find in your bulletin. That's question 49. How does Christ's ascension to heaven benefit us? And first of all, the benefit comes by way of a comfort in that first part of the answer. First, it is comforting to know that he is our advocate in heaven. In the presence of his father. He protects us. This protection of Jesus Christ is not just something that we talk about and we think about it and we can discuss. This protection becomes very personal because Christ is a personal Christ for each of us. And we all experience at different times of our life the protection of our God. I can certainly testify to that as the accident that I had would, humanly speaking, have meant... That it would have been a fatal accident and I would not have been here. I would have been in the heaven side of, of eternity by now. But God protected. the Personal experience from that as a, as a reminder. And each one of us can think of times in which we can be reminded of the fact that we have been protected by God's hand from different things that may happen to us in our own lives. Or you know someone who has gone through a crisis situation in their lives. We looked at this and and we begin to see what's happening here in Isaiah chapter 52. God's people are going through a crisis. This is 700 years before Christ. Just before that, two decades, 20 years or so before this, Israel has been taking captive by Assyria, the great kingdom that was in power at that time, and there they were uprooted, going through a crisis as they were uprooted and and carried off into captivity. Different language, different culture, different foods, different environments, everything was strange. They were not feeling comfortable in this situation and it would seem as they might think that god had forgotten all about them as they were carried off into captivity but it is specifically in that particular context of a crisis that god comes to his people in the opening verse of isaiah chapter 52 and he says awake awake put on your strength o zion o church of God. That's the introduction to what Isaiah is teaching us. So then instead of in the midst of this crisis that Israel would throw in the towel, they are moved to be challenged to wake up and to recognize that God is on the throne. Jesus Christ on the throne, in control of all things. It's a good news of comfort in a time in which they were very uncomfortable in this situation. Verse 7 speaks about the picture of the good news coming down from the mountains, bringing comfort, bringing good tidings, bringing peace, bringing the good news of Salvation from our God. God has not forsaken his people any more than he has or does or will ever forsake his people in our own context today. In verse 5, Isaiah. Laments with the people. My people have been taken away for nothing. Their rulers will, declares the Lord. But then look at verse 10. The Lord bared his holy arm. There's that protection. Before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The Israelites have been taken away into captivity under the control of the enemy. But this is nothing less than a picture of you and I who are held captive by sin if we are not led by God's spirit to stay away from that in our own lives. By nature, we are captive to Satan as well. That's the sin that's a part of our lives. And the situation is hopeless. It's a situation in which the enemy seems very powerful, but then we remember that there's one who's more powerful. He who is within us is greater than he who is in the world, says John. And that is a comfort for us to know that we can lean on Jesus Christ, the great king who protects his people his people, he is reminding them, for instance, in verse 12, you shall not go out in haste. What's he talking about here? Well, he's now bringing them back to the time when they were coming out of Egypt. Out of Egypt, literally, they had to run. They had no time to prepare food. They weren't given even a 24-hour notice. No time to pack up their belongings first. No time to pack up those dolls and those toys for the kids and food for the, for, for the way out and And yet, God says, I protected you. Because listen to what he says in verse 12. For you shall now, you shall not go out in haste. You shall not go in flight. For the Lord will go before you. And the God of Israel will be your rear guard. He will protect us. And he will accompany us. As he did with the pillar of cloud by day. And the pillar of fire by night. And opening up the Red Sea. And providing the manna and the quail that came to feed his people in in a circumstance of going through a desert where manna and quail are non-existent. God says, I'm on the throne, and I will protect you. It's one of the benefits of the ascension of Jesus Christ. There's a second benefit, and that is that he provides for us. How does Christ's ascension to heaven benefit, or we could say, how does it encourage us? And there we have in that answer, we have our own flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that Christ, our head, will also take us, his members, up to himself. He provides for us. We've seen in the past how God provides for his people. But he also provides for us in our present. We've already seen some of that already, haven't we? I know that I can once again testify to that as, as, as I spent the first week in, in the trauma unit in London. And I knew that God was always with me. Pastor Harry visited me in, in the trauma unit. I don't know what I looked like when he visited with me that first time. And then going from there, being bedridden for about five or six weeks... You as a congregation saw me go through the graduations from the wheelchair in the back and the walker over time, and then from the walker to the cane, and you know, the cane is not that far away yet, but I'm trying to go without that as much as I possibly can. How is this that God then, through all of this, has seen, for the, see, seen my health being able to be recovered to the point where I can once again do what God has called me to do in, in teaching? I have already taught a course in the book of Nehemiah in Mexico via Zoom, of course, I'm teaching now a course on the on the canon of the scriptures. How did we get our Bible? How do we get chapters and verses? And and why do we only have sixty six books? And why not more? Why not less? And I'm having the privilege to be able to do that on Monday nights for a series of Monday nights, preaching the Word of God. What a blessing! It's a testimony to the provision of Christ our King in a time of crisis. You who have gone through crises in different times in your life or know of someone who has gone through a crisis or perhaps, perhaps you are going through a crisis even as we are addressing that at this moment either here in the sanctuary or those who are listening by live stream. Going through a time of crisis. Take heart. Jesus Christ is on The throne. Israel was in a seemingly hopeless situation. We look at the world around us and we know that there are destitute and serious, difficult situations that we are, we are hearing in the news all of the time. We remember just what happened a couple of days ago in Texas. Again, you say? Seriously? We look at the war in the Ukraine that is going on. And we have a tangible reminder of how we can provide for that with Olena and her daughter Paulina being here separated from their husband, her husband Slava and her father, Paulina's father. And yet we have an opportunity to see how how God is providing for them. Think about Mayambai and Yvonne and Victoria who from the Congo had to run off to Nairobi, Kenya and we are in the process of seeing if we can provide for refuge for them as well. These are contexts of, of crisis situations in which God provides, through his people, a way to be able to manage these kinds of crises. When we think this through, we have to be thinking not only about these physical situations that go on. We are living in a world in which there is a spiritual decay. We think through all the things that are going on in Africa with the Muslims that are putting pressure and persecuting many in the Christian churches. We think in the eastern regions of the eastern religions that are are rampantly growing. We look around us and and we see that even in Europe, there is a, a decay of the churches there and of spiritual interest The gospel needs to reach there too. We look into Latin America, and I can speak from that personally from the many years that, the decades that I have traveled in and out of different countries in Latin America, and there we see the influence of medieval Catholicism, of the prosperity gospel, of the network of false apostles that are wooing the church away from the truth, And we see that in this context of spiritual crises that our world is in, God has called the church of Jesus Christ, over which Jesus is the head of the church. And this head of the church is seated on the throne with all of the authority and all of the power to be able to provide for his people. These are times again when we need to be reminded that God is saying to us, Awake! Awake, O Zion! Paul, when he reflects on the impact of the gospel in this chapter, tells us in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, he says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Those who do not know Christ, he's talking about. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Quoting from verse 7. Drawing that into the context of the salvation. The outworking of the salvation of our God. Even at the time that Paul is addressing this some 700 and change years later. Our God reigns. Jesus Christ is on the throne. We have our flesh in heaven as we see from the catechism. A sure pledge. A sure promise. That Christ will also be with us and take us to heaven after all of our troubles have been completed. Whether he comes again. Before We die or whether we will die first. We don't know when that time will come. But we have that promise from our God that he will provide. He protects. He provides. He's our king. And as our king, he reigns. We might ask ourselves, how does God in his work with Jesus Christ... How does this benefit us in our lives? And we think this through and then we begin to understand that it is that when he went to heaven, that he sends, as we heard in the context of Acts chapter 1, he sends his Holy Spirit 10 days later to empower us. His ascension into heaven benefits us, as was the question. How does he benefit us? It it, it empowers us. Us. last week Sunday our pastor preached on Romans chapter 15 and he reminded us about how that gospel is important for us in our lives we have there it has always been my ambition says Paul to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation rather it is written Those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Where does that come from? It comes from verse 15 of our text. So shall he sprinkle many nations, we read in verse 15. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. He will sprinkle many nations. Another way to translate that from the original is that he will pour out his word among many nations. The ascension of Jesus Christ is all about getting the gospel of our not only our risen Lord, but our ascended Lord into all the earth. We need to be thinking about this every time we breathe. Looking for opportunities to be able to share that gospel with those in our own communities. You don't need to be a missionary or a pastor to go and tell the news to somebody. God calls each one of us to do that in our own context. We each have our own circle of influence that God has specifically designed for us to be in. In order to declare King Jesus in our own lives, he's using the church. And as a church, we are called upon to remain faithful to him as members of the church as well. Isaac Watts writes a hymn that we sing at Christmas time, of which the last verse, Joy to the World. The last verse goes like this He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and the wonders of His love. That's what this is all about. So, as we think this through, I want for us to be thinking about our allegiance. Where is your allegiance? Is it centered on the things that we have accumulated in this life? Or is it centered on the person and the work of Jesus Christ sitting on the throne? Just imagine that. Sitting on the throne at the right hand of God the Father. And so let's be reminded to pledge this allegiance to Christ the King. I pledge allegiance to the triune God and to the dominion for, over which he rules. All Nations under God, offering liberty and justice to all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are overwhelmed by the good news that you give to us. We pray that you would help us always in every moment of our lives to be reminded of the fact that While we, like, have a tendency to be self-centered and think that we are in charge of everything that's going on in our lives, we are not. Neither is anything or anyone else in our world. But you are in charge because you are, through your Son, Jesus Christ, on the throne. And we are thankful for that, Father, and we pray that you would help us to live that out in our own lives.